0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash
1: weight loss. On DAB online, on the app, and on your smart speaker, this is My Sporting Life on Talk TalkSport.
0: And with me, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. Born in Gladsax, Denmark on the 18th of November 1963, the son of a Danish nurse and a Polish jazz musician. And after playing in Denmark for the first 10 years of his professional career, in 1991 signed for the team he supported as a boy, Manchester United. Went on to play nearly 400 games for them, five Premier League titles, three FA Cups, a League Cup, and part of the historic treble-winning side, culminating with the Champions League in 1999, he then went on to play for Sporting Lisbon, Aston Villa, and Manchester City. And still, Denmark's most capped player, Peter Schmeichel.
1: How are you, Peter? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Listen, yeah. you look really well. Are you? Are you in? Are you still in great condition after <laughs> the playing career? Is and there any aches and pains or anything? Because you look okay.
1: I I go in in in. Uh... In my autobiography, I talk about the injuries that I carry, but I always I always had a back problem. Yeah. And if I don't train, if I don't keep myself fit, uh, that, that uh, my, my back problem is not great then. Sure. So I need to keep some kind of fit, a fitness level. But I have to say that the uh, COVID, where everything was shot, kind of took me out of the rhythm. Oh, did it <laughs> so really? I've been a bit lazy in the last years. So. <laughs> you're not the only one. Don't worry, you're not the only one.
0: Now, is it true? So you were a Magic United fan as a child, growing up in Denmark, right? Yeah. H- how comes?
1: A great question. I um, Obviously, Man United weren't winning anything in the 70s when mm-hmm. I grew up. It was uh, Bayern Munich was winning the, the Europa Cup three times. Uh, Liverpool did. Um, Nottingham Forest did as well, Seventy nine, eighty, And Leeds were one of the big teams as well. So all my friends were like... Um, Liverpool supporters Leeds supporters Forest supporters um, but this is a my, my sort of first early memories is Tommy Doherty and Tom, Tommy Doherty just the name sounded really cool Tommy Doherty you know
0: <laughs> 77 cup on his head <laughs> we promised you last year we would bring the cop back and, and we brought the, the cop back to the finest supporters in the world
1: so um and i think there was something about the badge and maybe also the strip the red yeah. shirt the white shorts and the black socks of uh, you know it's just it just i don't know um it's not like i'm thinking that was this one player mm. that i tacked onto and then it was more the other way around i started to like the club and then i began to know the players uh, and information about the club was was very difficult to come by it wasn't it wasn't like now where you just google everything sure And we didn't have a lot of football on on TV anyway. Mm. We had whatever game the BBC picked as a main game on a Saturday, only in the winter month, that was a game that we were shown on on TV.
0: So Manchester United kick off in red shirts and white shorts attacking the goal to our left. Leeds in their all yellow strip.
1: So I don't really know, but I was a mad Man United supporter. One of my best friends, he was a Man United supporter as well. And everybody else, as I said, it was more Leeds, Forest, and and Liverpool.
0: Let's talk about how you started playing, then, because yeah, it's it's a really interesting child. Your parents are remarkable, from what you write about in the book. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, where I I grew up in um, in an, a, a sort of a newly built estate where thousands of people live in there, uh, a lot of kids, and uh, in the seventies, where 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 it was kind of a good thing that. Uh, good thing that people were close and you know the the local community was meant a lot and uh, life was changing in the way that the uh, the mothers who up until that point more than uh, more than not were staying at home looking after the kids mm-hmm. and now they were moving into uh, to jobs and uh, so the whole the whole society was changing but that that sense of community was absolutely brilliant and that resultant in in that community creating a football club which was right in the middle of where we lived uh, and everybody was uh, was, was uh, attending this football club and I thought I'd do that as well mm. uh, and, and that's how I started to play. I, I would play coming back from school anyway I would just the first thing I do is to uh, you know drop my school back and then just go up to the fields which was literally just outside my my front door. Uh, and, and there were football uh, pitches there and, and just play and play until you know my mother had to drag me back home
0: but the thing is everybody even over here I mean and I'm, I'm not a million miles away from your age we'd all do the same thing but nobody was that good so how do you know um, actually how good you are is it just is it a very simple thing that someone goes that kid in goal's really good and then he moves on to there and then he
1: moves is it as simple as that It, it, it in a way yes yeah so so uh, in my first training session, uh, I was out for you for about three minutes, and the coach was a bit worried about all the other kids because I was a bit wild. and he said, uh, peter, try try go, go in there and and I did, and I, I liked it. and straight away he said, "You're very good at that. so so that was kind of the beginning of it. I was told I was good, and as a kid, if a if a grown up say that you're or tell you that you're good at something, you kind of believe that, hmm. and then you don't want to disappoint them, and that 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 thinking stayed with me forever. I don't want to disappoint people, people, and and people kept kept coming up to me saying, "Oh, you're very talented. One day you'll play for Denmark." One, that's how. That was early though, was it? That Someone was early, actually early. said that when you yeah. were, when you were a small kid. I, I probably wouldn't have been more than 10 years old. That's incredible. Yeah. So so
0: what was the progression then? Because there's a date, isn't there? 7th of August, 1972, mm.
1: which is a huge date for you. It's, a, it's my, I played my first game ever. Yeah. And the reason I know that for sure is that my uh, my mother was, uh, she was preparing to go to hospital the next day to um, give birth to my, my sister. She knew she was going to be, started that next day so in between packing and preparing herself she would go up to the to the pitches and watch me play we played we played um, you know we played a small tournament on the same day so she would she, so she would go in between there and uh, and uh, so and this is the, this is my first kind of memory of if you can say success because mm. we played this tournament and we ended up in the final um, and we ended up in a penalty shootout can't remember. I I kind of think that we lost the penalty shootout but but what I do remember is that uh, that af- after the whole event people they were telling me how good I was and yeah. you very talented and you and not just the coach but just people who had been watching the games so I started to believe that I was really good and and I had a talent and then it's just moved on from there <laughs>
0: With your parents, then, because they're really busy, weren't they? So, I know mm. you, you, your dad worked in Tivoli Gardens and he was a, a pianist, uh, and your mother's a nurse, so extremely busy. And, and, and often, when I hear about kids that play football, you know, their mums and dads having to run them all over the place. Was it pretty much you have to do this for yourself?
1: Um, yes and no. My parents were very busy. Mm. Um, my mother, the way she worked, she worked uh, seven days on, seven days off, and she worked from four. Till midnight, on on the days that she worked. So yes, we were we were kind of uh, we were on those days. If my father worked as well, um, we were left to look after ourselves. But we the, the way we lived and where we lived, it was like that for for everyone. So mm. neighbors would just pop in and make sure that we were okay. And if we had to, if, if neither of my parents were there to to uh, to, to uh, make dinner for us well, we'll get that off the neighborhood. So it, it was a nice, safe community. Um, and as much as they could, they supported me in my football. But I had, you know, three sisters. There's a lot for them to uh, to look after as well. And they had interest, different interests in football. Sure. So they, you know, they divided the time as much as they could. But, you know, back in the 70s, it, it was a different world. You really had to, you really had to work hard to make ends meet. Um, and, and. You know, you can argue that that or that was probably a bad thing, but it was the way it was back then. Mm. It was the way that it was, and I I didn't know anything else. No, I don't know anything. Anybody who who had it differently, it was just the way it was. Um, and that sort of uh, discipline for for working and and you know looking after your responsibilities and make sure that you live up to them. I think that's that's something I really have benefited from having yeah. seen from my parents. because you were very ill for a while, weren't you? Yes <laughs> um, it it was I mean for me it wasn't really a big worry. I was just waiting for this to pass and then I could you know continue playing football i was I was fifteen years old i had I had a really bad infection in my hip, mm. which uh, is something that we didn't find out until like six six weeks into, since I, I first felt it. Uh, and in that period, my mother was, she was scared because her job was, was uh, in, in, a, in a cancer ward in, uh, in the, the state hospital, uh, but it was uh, the children's cancer, cancer ward. So she was seeing children with cancer every day, mm-hmm. looking after them uh, and not knowing for such a long time what was wrong with me and experienced incredible amount of of pain. She was very, very worried about that. I wasn't too worried. I was young, inexperienced, naive, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just wanted this to pass. and, And of course, on the day after an operation, they found out what was really wrong with me. For me, it was just a case of, you know, then give me the right medication. Let me get through this. So that, that was in the summer of 78 when I was coming up to 15 years of age. Yeah. So I didn't play from June all the way till February the next year. And then in all fairness, it's just come back to me because I've, I've done the book. It's something I've really never thought about I, since, but... Looking back, it, it was a major thing because it, it could have gone either way.
0: I'm looking at, the, as I was reading the book, there's all these different bits and pieces. They're almost like driving forces. And you think, well, if that didn't happen, maybe Peter wouldn't be this way. <clears throat> maybe this wouldn't happen. I, I know a lot of footballers are very superstitious and all the ones I've met over the years that do all these different things. Are you like that? Because I know your mum and dad, how they met. I mean, we won't go into the whole thing now, but when you read the book, it's, it's very bizarre how they actually managed to meet in different countries. So do you look back on things and think well you know what
1: it was kind of fate. all this stuff (laughs) i i don't think it's fate i think it was uh it was opportunity being in the right place at the right time and then hard work sure um but i it's interesting the question about you know being superstitious it's interesting because i i agree i've met a lot of guys they do the same things they have these rituals and um and and they stick by them, and they panic if they forget something. And I was there myself. It, I, I also say that I was very very nervous when uh, when playing for Vido. I we played our games at se- uh, seven o'clock on Sundays. So from leaving work on Friday, and all the way to the game, I was I was so nervous. I, the game was in my mind all yeah, the time. Yeah. I had you know swe- sweaty palms and just nervous nervous. Uh, until I got to the warm-up of the game and then I was okay and in the game, also okay. Um, I cleared that away uh, and, and also I had rituals. I had superstitions I had to do. I took them with me when I went to Brombeau. Uh I put, I put, you know, my, my shoes on in the same order. I, you know, I, I I put my back in a specific place in my car. I went a specific way. Silly things. Oh No and then then I got to a point where it was so desperate for me you know mm. have I remembered everything mm. and that I'm, I'm at this point I'm I'm in Bromby I'm full-time professional and we play this game against what is now FC Copenhagen we've got five games to spare but if we win this game we we're winning the championship so i'm thinking we are the best team we've got five more chances I'm going to do everything the opposite way now. Wow. So I did everything the opposite way and we and? won the game 1-0 and I then told myself, "Oh, it's it, you know, it's just rubbish that." And I never did it again. Good for you. The only thing I ever did and I did it consistently was when I went down to the goal that I was defending, after the touch, I would close the goal by kicking the post. That was the only thing. Yeah. And I could live with that.
0: And next we move from the 1970s to the 1980s. And Peter makes his name in Denmark as the finest goalkeeper in the country by signing for Bromby and then his dream move to Manchester United when we return on My Sporting Life.
1: My Sporting Life with Peter Schmeichel on Talk Sports. It it's
0: 1987. Uh, Peter's making his name as one of the finest goalkeepers in Denmark and Scandinavia and signs for Bromby. Although I don't want to get the pronunciation right, uh, Peter. It's Bromby, right? Bronbu. Okay. <laughs> you know, things and, and, and I've known Christian Eriksen over the years and there's there's only one phrase that I know in uh, in Danish, which but, is very go poor. On. You sure? No. It's...
1: <laughs> which is? <laughs> it's not... It's not that bad. But but the meaning behind it is bad. Is it? You, you, you sorry, say. I didn't know that was your girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah.
0: And uh, by the way, I've never had the chance. It's <laughs> very oh, good. To, thank you. I've never had the chance to use it yet. Let, let's talk about um, uh, signing for Manchester United. It's the, it's the dream. I mean, it just mm. seems... Did, did it honestly, all those years, and as you're moving through the ranks there, you're playing in Denmark, then you get to the national side, when did it truly... Or was it always a case where you thought I'm going to play for them?
1: It's always <laughs> going to happen because it's an incredible story. Yeah, it. You know that 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 was my thinking It's always going to happen. It was what would that that thought would carry me through difficult times, uh, and when I say difficult times, it was you know training the hard training that we did, especially when when Morton Olsen became our coach. Yeah, we we uh, we for the eighteen months that I had him as a coach is the hardest. 18 months I've ever experienced in football and in in truthfulness I don't think anyone worked as hard as we did I haven't heard anyone every every time you told people what we were doing in training Hmm. then or or colleagues other players they're like looking at you like whoa I mean like what What was different we just it was just really really hard so I'll give you an example Would we so so first of all our season was in the first year he was coach. Our season went in the calendar year. Yeah. Because, obviously, because of the weather. So you can't play in January. You can't play in February. Uh, and n- normally the season will start through the end of March. So that period is preseason. It's long. So it's nearly two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And for the first bit of it, everything you do is physical work, running, weights. And we we, so we were kind of used to that. But when Morton came, it just became came, more so for instance on his first day we, we went th- there were some woods next to the stadium so we went and we, we took the long route what we would say the long route there's two routes and sure. so, so the long one as we came up to where we normally would cross uh, into the stadium he said no we are going left and then we ran even longer mm. and came back uh, and that was just that was just a taste of how this is going to pan out for the next you know two and a half months we would do uh, weights, for instance. We'd do circuit training in weights. And we would do a circuit that would take you about 20 minutes. And then we split up in two groups. The other group would, would, would run in the forest uh, or in the woods next. So you would come back after running and get changed and then do the circuit. And the guys just done the circuit would run. But you'd do that switch three times. Wow. It'd take you a little bit more than two hours. Mm-hmm. And you were completely drained. You would go, you'd have lunch. Uh, you would then have a rest, and then you train again in the afternoon. And you might do some, some, some ball work, but with hidden physicality in there as well. It was just very, very hard. And in in those eighteen months, I gained eight kilos of muscle. Right. In eighteen months, that's unheard of. That you you don't make, you know, you don't make s- such a gain in such a short period of time. But what it was for me, it was brilliant because it put me in a in a position physically. That lasted for the rest of my uh, of my career. But as a
0: keeper, did, did you have, was it always the plan that you had to do? Because I know for a fact that you hated anybody. They'd be cutting corners, wouldn't be doing it properly, it'd drive you crazy. Yep. But uh, was it always the case where, look, Peter, you're going to come along with us as well? Or yeah, is yeah. it your
1: choice? No, I insisted, yep. absolutely insisted. And that's something I had from from, from early doors uh, working with, uh, with especially Jan Henriksen, who was my coach and, and, and mentor as well, yep. goalkeeping coach and mentor. Um, and and i still to this day i find that incredibly uh, important because even now the goalkeeper is more of part of the team in build up you need to be with the group you they need to understand how, how what your skill set is and and uh, so so yes i was i was part of everything every every run every everything and you know when it became really really hard very very hard that thought if you if you quit now, if you cut that corner, you will never play for Manchester United. Wow. That that was in my head. That was my thing. Uh sometimes you have you, you have that incredible urge just to pack it in and say, No, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's always Manchester United was in there. And then it was that thought that That's made incredible. me carry on.
0: So how did it happen? Are you are you telling people like I want it known that I want to play there? Or did they just come to you?
1: Different time, remember. No social media, no no big sort of media exposure. No up. telephones. Um, so it w- that opportunity wasn't there. But yeah. I got approached by an agent, which was, again, for the time was unusual, uh, who, who said he wanted to work with me. We'd had agents that would come to you and say, I've got this club. But it was more like an opportunity to see if they could, you know, put you somewhere and... If you said yes, oh, I'd love that. They'd go and say to the club, "We've got this player." So it wasn't really, sure. it wasn't real. But this guy came up to me and said, "I followed you. I think you're really good. I think there's a future for you uh, away from Bromby, and I really like to work with you." What, 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 what do you want? I mean, what is your wishes? And I say, "I want to get to Manchester United." Mm. And he said, "Fine, well, I can work with that." And he then started to stack up a relationship with uh, with uh, Alex Ferguson. And, and very, very sort of f- quite quickly, uh, he became aware of me. And coincidentally, one of the, uh, the, the second preseason I had with Morton, we actually ended up being in the same hotel as Manchester United, using the same training facilities. We were there for preseason training. They were there. Uh, a sort of like a, a three day break before. Hold on,
0: hold on. So you're, are you, you're there now? I mean, you're, you're what, twenty six, twenty seven years old, I guess. Yeah. You're, you're a professional. You're playing for Denmark. But is there that little boy inside of you that's going, Oh my mm. god, this could be it now? Not
1: really. No. I'm going. Oh my god, that's Steve Bruce. <laughs> oh, that is Mark Hughes. Oh, Brian Rob. I mean, that's Junior. how I went. Yeah. Uh, It was a really difficult period for for Manchester United. So we're late, I think we're late January and they hadn't won a game since November. Fergie was under pressure. Uh, The media wanted him gone. The fans wanted him gone. And they had this FA Cup game against Hereford uh, and of course a game they needed to win. Hereford's
0: eleven cost the poultry sixty eight thousand pounds in comparison, but it's their biggest ever day, and the possibility of a giant killing act must be haunting the United manager Alec Ferguson.
1: And so he took them away for three days. They took priority because they were Manchester United on the training pitch. Um so uh, this is something that Ferguson uh, Fergus told me that hmm. after one of their trainings, and we started to train then after them, he stayed back, but not by the pitch he was hiding in the in the trees or the bushes or whatever and he was looking at this kid which I wasn't even a kid but this blonde guy yeah shouting and screaming and diving everywhere saving everything that's how he said it Hmm. you know uh and I'm thinking I I know about this guy I've been told about this guy and that that's where his interest started and he from that point on, he was uh, then sending Alan, Alan um, who was the uh, goalkeeping coach. He was sending him out to scout me. Did you know all this all along at the time? No, no, no. This is what, what would you have been no, like? It no, had no, no, you no, no, this sorry, sorry, years, years later, standing behind you,
0: watching you, and you're going, <laughs> uh, "This is the thing I've
1: always dreamed of." No, 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 no. I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> In fact, there was very little sort of contact between the two camps. But we just sort of crossed path in the hotel, maybe. And, and they were only there for three days. And we, sure. were, we were there for two weeks. So...
0: <sighs> it was tricky, though, wasn't it, to try and
1: get there? Because then you ended up having a stay at Bromby before you went to Manchester United. Yeah. Was, this must have been really difficult for you. It was another challenge as well. But yeah. yeah. So there was a foreigner ruined place. Yeah. So you could only have so many foreigners. Of course. Um, so it wasn't like you can just bring anybody in. Uh, and especially in Europe, you know, Italy could only have two foreigners. Mm. Um, but but uh, yes, the first approach was um, was was 1990. Uh, that the, um, the 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 club, the the clubs, they spoke and and um, Bromby asked for too much money, so the 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 deal didn't happen. And and I played. Uh, it was actually a really good day for me. I was in. I was in a hotel in, uh, in Kensington preparing for a game against England. And I got this phone call off the agent and say, he said, well, it's official now. There are three clubs that has made an approach, an official bid for you. And it was West Ham and it was Liverpool and it was Manchester United. Oh, it's a tricky decision for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I spent hours musing over what to do. <laughs> <laughs> or is that seconds? So, um, so in a split second, that was decided, you know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we go with Manchester United. Uh, so, that approach was made. And I played the game. I played. Uh, my, one of my big, big dreams was to play at Wembley. Yeah. And uh, and that happened that day. I'll take a little flick from Gascoigne. Gascoigne goes on. And got round. Sibarek. A bit of basketball from Schmeichel at the end. But Gascoigne got the better of Billport then. Michael certainly did well to deny Gascoigne. Unfortunately, we lost the game 1-0, but uh, I, I personally had a really good game, and you know, I was talking of the newspapers the next day, which made me even more, you know, proud because at first I knew this about Man United, I knew, and seeing the newspapers that you know they, they they were taking notice of me, and came back home to Denmark. The chairman of Bromby Perbiago phoned me up, confirmed what I already knew asked me what to do and I said Manchester United and that was the last thing I heard Mm. didn't hear anything for months I knew what was happening because the agent obviously was keeping me in in the loop so I knew it was uh, asking for too much money and it didn't happen So when it did? Well I had an experience which I think it sums Alex Ferguson up in, in many ways and how he manages and and uh, how good a manager he then is. So uh, I had a phone call a, a couple of months later. I was devastated. I was devastated. And I was. it made me even more determined to become even better, work harder, uh, and make sure that I was getting away from Bromby because, you know, and, and I wanted to be the best I could ever be, and I've lost this opportunity. So a couple of months later, I get a phone call of uh, someone who helped my agent out, and he said, come to my house after training. Um, and I did. And Alex Ferguson, he was in the house. I I, I don't even know if I said hi. (laughs) I was gobsmacked. Mm. And he said, uh, yeah, he was very disappointed that that the deal didn't happen. Um, But he knew that it was me he wanted. So he just wanted to make sure that I understood that, that he would come back for me in the summer. And he wanted me to make sure that I worked hard and progressed. So when... I finally joined Manchester United, um, I would be at that level that really? he'd seen me at. And then he stood up and left. And and I'd, I still, I, even to this day, I'm not sure I said anything, I was just completely I was stumped. It's not, that's not happened many times <laughs> in my life.
0: <laughs> well, they say all good things come to those who wait, and Peter certainly had to wait. And it was good. It was very good. The glory is at Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson when we return on My Sporting Life.
1: My Sporting Life with Peter Schmeichel on Talk Sports.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
1: My Sporting Life. Paul Coit in conversation with Peter Schmeichel on Talk Sports.
0: It's 1991, and Peter, you make your dream move in the summer of that year to Manchester United and then go on to play 398 games for the club, winning pretty much absolutely everything there is to win. Um, but tell me this is there a thrill? Like the moment you play for them for the very first time, for your debut, when you've always supported the club as a boy?
1: Oh, my God. Actually, my first, my first game at Old Trafford was uh, even better because yeah. that was uh, Sir Matt Busby's testimonial. Samat so Matt Busby taking to Old Trafford again to personally thank the players of Manchester United and the Republic of Ireland for supporting this very special occasion. There's the other new face, Peter Schmeichel. Uh, it wasn't a full house, which uh, was a little, little of a disappointment, but near enough. Uh, so I'm playing at Old Trafford. Samat's in the, uh, you know, he he's the main guy for this game. We're playing Ireland. I can't remember. The, honestly, can't remember what the score sure. was. But um, I'm now here. You know, I know I've signed a contract but I am now here. I've got the number one shirt. I'm playing for Manchester United. I can look down and I can see the badge. And that was a a moment of immense proudness uh, proudness for me. I can imagine.
0: Did did it ever go?
1: Was it always there? Did it always stay with you? Always. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And tell me about your relationship, this is the question I know you'd be asked a million times. And probably the phrase people have stopped you and go, what's Sir Alex Ferguson like? I'd rather I <laughs> you know, word it slightly differently, but tell me about your experiences with him because there was great stuff, there was average stuff, and there was probably stuff that wasn't so great for you. But but what was your relationship like?
1: No, I, I have a brilliant relationship with him, even to this day. I've actually spoken to him today. Mm. So, um, no, I... Yeah. I think when, when you... um when you, when, we're in a career where, where it's, there's so much spotlight on you, uh, you, you need very, very strong leaders. You need somebody who takes care of you, someone that you feel safe around Yeah, that, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna double cross you. He's not gonna hurt you. He's gonna protect you all the time and he's gonna be upfront. You know, he's gonna be honest with you, um, and, and, you know, we had that with, with Sir Alex. You were never in doubt of anything with him, which makes it easier to be a Man United player or a high-profile football player. You, um, you could always approach him. You could always talk to him about everything, anything, everything. You could always knock on his door, no mm-hmm. matter what it was, and he would take the time. He, 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 he knew about your family. He, he knew your background. He knew uh, the names of your friends, that that uh, kept coming, you know, and visiting, you know. He would um, he would take time to speak to them. So if, if I brought friend, for instance, to to uh, to the cliff for a training session, yeah. um, he would recognize them, and he at some point during that training session he would walk over and have a chat, and he would do that consistently with everybody. Um,
0: people always imagine the, the, the hairdryer thing. That's always yeah, when everybody yeah. talks about it. Is is that part of him or is that not really him at all?
1: It's the one thing I don't like uh, being so being part of, you know, the media and, and and in the public eye is this headline reporting. Yeah. It's a headline. That's sure. what it is. It, it's nothing but that. Does does the hairdryer exist? Yes, of course it does. Is it a necessary thing? It's a brilliant thing. It's an absolute brilliant thing uh, because sometimes you need that kind of explosion to change path. Mm. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've been at the end of the hairdryer a couple of times. I think most most players have. But, but with that is, and this is where I think he's really brilliant is, when I said before, you know where you stand? He, he, he can be very angry after a game for whatever reason. Yeah. Even a game you won 3-0, there would be something there that he might not have been happy with. And he would, he, would, he would tell you in whatever way he told you. But what you knew for absolutely sure that once it was told, it was told. Sure. And he never went back to it. And this is the trust part. You know, this is the trust part, I say. So once he said, get your bath, that was it. Then you moved on to the next one. And it's important to have it like that. Because any kind of insecurity that can sneak in on you, it that can be the difference of, you know, you missing a chance as a striker or me. You're making a mistake for a goal. I needed to be absolutely sure that I had the backing of the manager. I had the backing that I was okay and there was nothing wrong with me. So that clarity was, was I've never seen that anywhere as, as good as that. That clarity was... Uh, absolutely instrumental in everything that we did and everything that we achieved.
0: When did you notice that the, the team now we are truly going places? Because you said that when you start, you know, things aren't looking so great at Manchester United and then you becoming the greatest team the Premier League has ever seen. So where was the change and when did you notice it?
1: I think when I first, the first couple of games I played, I'm thinking, wow, this is a fantastic team. Um, what what we didn't have was was we had a lot of experience and then we had a lot of non experience. So we had you know players like Ryan Giggs uh, who who made the team incredibly interesting. You know things that he could do even in the games you could sometimes just got taken out of your sort of uh, your zone, the concentration mode that you're in, and just enjoy what he was doing. But he was young mm. and and the thing about young players is that they can deliver that kind of brilliance but they can't deliver it every, every time you, you know they, they will be up and down and also an experience in, you know players like Andrei Kinchelsky who came from Russia uh, you know in, into a completely different world he needed a little bit of time to get into it as well and there are certain other young players who you needed, needed time and I'm thinking in my first year what a team we have and we should be winning the championship because I'm thinking we are the best team but at some point during that season we ran out of steam and and struggling scoring goals and uh, so so in I thought we should have won the championship yeah. we didn't but by not winning it it put us in a much much better situation of precision for the next coming years because of the experience that we gained um and of course the the, the, the major adjustment was Eric coming in the next season so he came halfway through there and what he brought was exactly what we needed. We needed something that was different, something that was not. Uh, so so the way we played back then, in, in everyone played kind of the same system, kind of in the same way. And the difference was the quality of the players. Uh, so you could kind of predict what was going to happen next. Uh, and then it came down to the quality of the cross or the quality of the guy meeting the ball, the position, the cleverness, all that. But with Eric, we, we got a completely new dimension we mm. we got play through the middle play on the ground through the middle and of course that got in enhanced that quality got enhanced when players like skulls came into the team uh, that we could play that kind of play from from further down the pitch so the evolution of the team was incredible but that second season as soon as Eric walked through the door uh, in the dressing room I knew that you know we were on a on the path of becoming a great team,
0: because he he'd been around, and and some people would be thinking, well, you know, Eric Cantona maybe not the right fit. You know, he moves from club to club,
1: whereas I, I believe Fergie saw that as an advantage, didn't he? Absolutely. I think I think when when he was scouting players, he would look for the the odd thing in the personality. He was looking for that normality uh, that so, so people that are deemed normal. They need to be very, very skillful, very, very good sure. in order to sort of be that guy on the pitch that you want. But the guys who are very good, but also has a little sort of difference in their personality, they are more valuable because they are they are more likely to do something which is unexpected in a game. And when you don't expect it as an opponent, it, it, it is a surprise. And
0: as fans, that's what we love. Of course. That's but what we love to see.
1: Cantona again. sounds as if he's got a baton in his hand and he's conducting the orchestra. Giggs. oh, it's a Super Bowl and Cantona
0: is there where it matters. So Premier League, 93, 94, 96, 97, 99, the FA Cup in 94, 96 and 99, things are moving very well. Are you, just like, just, are you enjoying every minute of it now? Are you just like thinking, oh, this is everything I want to do, I'm winning everything, I'm with my club and this is just as good as it mm. could possibly get?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, uh, it is my club. It's in my it's in my heart. I I really love the football club. I love the people that are in the football club. I love you know. I love being around because I went around every day. You know the cliff. I obviously met people there. I went to Old Trafford every single day. I did my mail. I went to the offices. It was a smaller mm. it's, it was a smaller business back then. If you like, yeah. it was fewer people uh, had a chat, had a coffee. I just absolutely love being around the football club. Uh, but of course. Uh, My mentality is, and has always been, to move upwards. Always trying to achieve something new and something better. Uh, Always setting a target for the season. This is what we have to achieve. Uh, And of course, Europe. Europe was, that was one area that we, we were struggling in.
0: Well, it took until the 26th of May, 1999. And Peter's final game for the club at the New Camp versus Bayern Munich in the Champions League final, and one of the greatest nights in the history of Manchester United Football Club. Coming up next. You're unbelievable. My Sporting Life. Paul
1: Coit in conversation with Peter Schmeichel on Talk Sports.
0: By the start of the 1998 99 season, Manchester United had become one of the greatest domestic sides of all time. In Peter Schmeichel's time there, they'd won the Premier League four times, FA Cup three times, and a League Cup. But although Peter had won the Euros with Denmark, Champions League success had still evaded them. And that season, Peter, unbeknownst to anybody, you decided that this was going to be your last as a Manchester United
1: player. Why? I did. I did. I mean, we don't have that much time, and I think... Uh, just in order so we get the story completely straight, it's much better to read it because I really go into detail. Sure. I go into detail about how I felt. I came back from the World Cup uh, in, in France in 1998. We've we've been with Denmark. We've been relatively successful getting into the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals were played on July the 3rd uh, that year. And we'd only finished runners-up to Arsenal the year before, which meant back then the runners up in order to get into the champions league group uh, group play we had to play uh, a playoff match yeah. and that was already on uh, august the 4th so having played the last game in the world cup the next very important game probably the most important game of the season was 4 weeks away i i, I obviously if you, everyone needs a, a long break after a long season and especially if you've played a world cup because then then the season has lasted for 11 months mm. And I'm, again, a player trying to play every game. So I was I was spent at that time. I really was spent. I needed that break, but I couldn't. I had a week because that, that game, we, we, we played the Polish team. That game was just the most important game. Uh, and, and you know, when you get knocked out of a World Cup, you, you you phone the manager and he was very apologetic. said, Pete, I, I really wanted to give you a longer break, but those are our most important games. Sure. So uh, I came back uh, quite soon after being knocked out of the World Cup and and I remember sitting in my car on my way to the Cliff uh, cliff Training Ground thinking, I can't face this, you know. This is going to be another year of, you know, just game after game after game after game, no breaks. The next break I will get is, uh, you know, 10, 10 and a half months away, depending on how successful we are. Uh, so I decided in the car that it was probably a good idea to make this my last season. And I sort of, I had a couple of days to think about how to approach it. Um, Who knew? Me. Just you? Just me. Th- this, is, this is why I think it, 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 it's beneficial to read how, how I go about this. My, I, I spend a lot of time on my, my thinking process. And also, for um, for instance, the way that the Euros were this season and how COVID has affected the calendar. I know there's a lot of players there uh, who will feel the same as I felt mm. and it could be very beneficial for them uh, to, to, uh, to to have the words of somebody else who were, ended up making a decision in a period of his life where he was not in clear-minded enough and not in a position to make a rational decision based on what was real and what was not real. Mm. It was based on feelings and feelings mm. of of especially mentally tiredness. Um, so I made a decision and and uh, the way I am, you know, you make a decision and you stick by it. And and so so and, and, and that was it. And um, at the time, I thought it was a fitting, really fitting en- ending for me to, to finish winning the treble and, you know, the European I mean, Cup and all that. What a way to go. But, but when you when you get to my age and you're doing you're doing a project like I've done with, with 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 a book and you look back and you you realize that you know it was probably not probably it was the wrong decision right I should have opened up a bit more I should I I, I didn't know at the time I didn't know it's it's a lot different today there's a lot more talk about uh, players mental state and and looking after players in different ways. Giving them rest, taking them out of travels, stuff like that, and it's much more acknowledged and, and and used as a tool today. But it wasn't back then. In in uh, that, my thinking was, I'm, you know, I'm this big, strong guy. You cannot break me. And and you know, if I if I opened up about how I'm feeling, and 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 and, and then that given that particular moment, I wasn't feeling great. Hmm. Uh, I was I was so tired. My mind. Sure. My mind was so tired, and I really needed to get away from football. But had I opened up about that, I I feared that I would have been deemed, you know, too old now, and you know, you're feeling this because you're not good enough, and all these kind of things. But in in today's football, in today's sport, and other sports at the time, by the way, that was quite normal. Mm. And I should have I I should have involved people and, and spoken about this to people. I didn't.
0: Well, you know what? It's it. You look back and think, well, what could have I? I could have added another couple of Premier Leagues, maybe a couple. I mean, the the, the trophy cabinet's pretty full. You can't really have too many regrets over your career, can you? But if we look at '99, and let's just let's just talk about that because if anybody is going to cap a career at a football club, I mean, my goodness, what a way to go! And and this there's, there's this talk about, and you put this in the book, this risk mode, and I love this risk mode of of playing football, and this is. Um, you're one nil down against Bayern Munich in the new camp. Everybody's seen it. Twenty sixth of May nineteen ninety-nine. Just 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 give me some idea of what it was like for Peter Schmeichel in those last few minutes. I'll tell you what, if they can equalize and I'm not betting against them, I think they'll win this. They're going to win it. Solcha! So, well, they're now creating chances for fun.
1: That that was that was no different to to any other game
0: is that right is that the secret though you always stay the same
1: yeah never gets to you I think really that is that is a secret You you cannot you can't put in when you're in the in the build up yes you can't avoid it but once you're in there you cannot put more importance to a game than another game it has to be the same you have to do the same everything the difference between the teams at that level it's so minute it's so small that if you if you spend just you know half a percentage of your your focus or concentration on thinking about the importance of the game that could end up being the difference mm. so you have to you have to you have to build some kind of system that keeps you in that same mode all the time um so i didn't think about you know we're 1-0 down or we're losing this final we're not i'm thinking that we're 1-0 down and we can get back we of course we can get back but this is what we do we're very very good and we get to this point of a game, instinctively we we know we now have to take more chances. We have to go into what I call risk mode. Uh, I, I, I couldn't find another word. I just find that word is it perfect in how I think about those those uh, situations. So you gamble more. You you uh, you have more players staying forward. You, you defend with less players. You uh, you build up changes. You get more. Basic. You have diagonal passes, you know, that are more than 50 yards yeah. for players to head them on and stuff like that. Things that you probably wouldn't do in the first part of a game. And you just push on and push on. And without thinking about it, you accept that you're going to concede chances. And in conceding chances, from a goalkeeper's point of view, it's more like, come on, and then just hit, hit the shot or whatever so I can get the ball so we can... You know, chase that goal. Yeah. You don't think about, uh, oh, please don't shoot because you might score. That that's gone. All that's gone. You now you you're uh, you're behind. If you're behind, you're behind. What what can you do about that? The only thing you can do is to get level. So that that's a whole point of that. You just do that. And it's interesting in the final because when you have to illustrate how how it works, it's Gary Neville who wins a corner. We we. We score from, but Gary Neves is mm. right fullback. Mm. But he wins a corner at the, on the left-hand side. He's been over there to take a, a long throw in, but stayed, stayed. And he's in full risk mode. He knows that he's missing from the defence, but he trusts the guys, which is Yap Stam at the time and, sure. and Ronnie. He trusts them. If anything happens, at least... If, if not save the situation At least delay So he can come back And maybe support from And this is just Instinctively how we played And we did that So many times In that season um, And You know I can't I can't tell you anymore What was the what, um, what, How did you feel When the, when the winner went away?
0: Beckham Into Sheringham And so sorry! won it! Is, it is it a relief Or is it an incredible Jubilation you feel
1: or are you still thinking I got a job to do here? Oh, I was I was panicking. <laughs> were you? You think you don't stop risk more. So yeah. you 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 continue and and that's how we scored the second goal. Um but once we're two two on up, we and our the team has got something to lose. Uh, and there are two things there that played on my mind once when we equalized I knew we were going to go into golden goal and golden goal was if you if anyone who scores in the f- first half I yep. think it is then the game is over I'd never played that game and the goalkeeper obviously c- can play a big part in that negatively so I'm like getting you know getting my pulse back down taking deep breath preparing myself for this that's gonna happen. Then we score. And, you know, I have absolutely... Uh, my first thing is to just run up there, but I, then I say, oh, no, 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 because there might be the time left, you know. So uh, so once we restart, I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're two and up. Now we've got something to lose. And they have the ball, and I'm like... I, I kind of felt like I froze. I'm thinking, don't shoot. At least, uh, you know, five minutes ago, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, shoot, so I can get the ball. Now I'm thinking don't shoot, I am not in any in any position, I'm not capable of saving anything. I'm, And it was literally just seconds, but it felt, you know, felt quite long. And then the whistle went, and then I went completely blank.
0: Oh, did you really? So in, when we talk about my sporting life, to, to round this up, and, and, you know, we haven't even talked about uh, Denmark and the Euros and that incredible situation as well, was that it? If there was one that you could choose from everything... Um, the the ultimate moment in your sporting career would it be that? Would that be the end of it?
1: I, I, it's, for me, I get this question quite often. It's it's one of it's one of three. I can't yeah. choose between them. It's of course it's that. It's Denmark ninety two, but also winning the first Premier League. The first Premier League was special, really special. Twenty seven years of 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 hurt from Man United fans, and you felt physically felt that relief, uh, and and to have won the first Premier League as well. Uh, even though the significance of that at the time didn't really play in into my mind or my thinking. But now I understand how important that was. Sure.
0: Peter, an hour is no time to fit your whole life into, and I feel as if uh, we've only just scratched the surface. Uh, I think we'll have to do a part two. But I've learned a lot of things I didn't know about you, and thank you so much for taking part in my sporting life. Peter Schmeich.
1: Thank you.